Welcome to the Knicks, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. This episode, we've got thoughts on that strange, strange Oscar show, plus a review of Shadow and Bone and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale, plus we know who sings to butt. Now, Justin writes these jokes and is making me say debut, but it's not as embarrassing as the obviously scripted Glenn Close reference I am making. Anyway, can you tell us who wrote it without cheating? Justin can. As always, this is a plea to rate and review us on Apple Podcast app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, and CastBox, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please do it. It will help us get seen by somebody and maybe not have to make the butt references. We appreciate uh, it. <laughs> Are we going straight into the Oscars, Justin? I think we might as well. All right. 93rd Oscars. The Oscars are more than middle-aged. Which I believe is the actual age of at least one of Dave's parents. So 93rd Oscars for, that's crazy. So that must have mean it started when they were babies. Yes, that was how that, that's, <laughs> that's how, how that time works. works. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you are a baby when you are born. Yes. yes. That is- <laughs> um, why should we talk about good stuff first, just to be a little more positive? And, sure, why not? Um, why don't you cover the good stuff that you liked and then I'll... Pop in good stuff that I liked. Okay. Um, the best moment was obviously, first off, because it's Minari, which was the best movie and got pretty much ignored, um, was uh, Young Yoon Jong. Yoon Jong. Thank think? you. Yeah. Uh, she won this Best Supporting Actress for playing the uh, grandmother in Minari, and the executive producer won Gentleman, who you may have heard of, I think his name is Brad Pitt, uh, gave the award, and she got up on stage and proceeded to make the most adorable speech in the world and make eyes at Brad Pitt the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Quite charming. Uh, Chloe Zhao also just being ridiculously charming and quirky uh, for winning the only, the second woman to ever win the Best uh, Best Director Oscar. Frances McDormand and her wonderful, weird, shapeless dresses and her wonderful, weird, shapeless hair just being a strange, strange woman. Oh, my God. She's so strange. I love her so much. Okay. So I have to kick off with a little disagreement. I felt like... A lot of people thought Viola Davis was going to win it, and and, and I I'm not a big fan of fake kind of humility, humble, because right. it can feel a little performative. But the fact that she was just like, oh yeah, they gave it to me, thanks, what's up, peace out for her final thing was really weird. I don't think Viola <laughs> Davis probably minded honestly because uh, she looked like that in her dress. <laughs> that dr- Viola Davis's dress was. Piece, a thing of beauty. It was. It art. did look really good, and actually. It fit her yeah. like it had been just created on her body. Yeah. It was unreal. And, you know, she won, what, two years ago? Right? Francis won. They're just going to go back and forth. I guess it's so. like That's Viola right. gets one, Francis gets one. <laughs> They're probably friends. I don't think anybody was hurt. It, it <laughs> did sort of bring up, though, that a lot of people looked a little pissy, and I couldn't tell what they looked pissy about. Um, I thought. Viola Davis looked a little pissy. 
Well, I don't, I don't know what that was about, but it could just be me reading. It could be. I don't. I don't know. I didn't necessarily read that. Yeah, not and not because of the loss, but early on, I was, and maybe it was just sort of Ma Rainey not getting as much right attention as they thought. Which, exactly. Yeah, culminated in spoilers. The worst <laughs> mistake of the night. Um, uh, hi. <laughs> uh, okay, Justin thinks that. Okay, this is good. I thought you were saying this was bad, but now I'm going with the good that Mank was mostly shut yes. out because what the hell? Except for, can we talk about Amanda Seyfried's? boobs so that's a plus right oh my god that dress and though honey that covid Mm. whatever looks good on you well shit she's a lactating mother as well she's got a new baby yeah i I didn't even know that i was gonna ask that but then i thought maybe it was crass Um, it was and but i i was once a lactating mother and you know you got to show those babies off while you got them she looked so good it was funny to keep seeing people in the background and being like Who's in that crazy red dress? Who's in that crazy peach dress? Right. And then we were like kind of guessing who it was because you couldn't, you know, we talked about this earlier that it was hard to sort of get good close-ups of people and they didn't really do a good job in the beginning of kind of establishing who was right. where. And But then once you saw her up front, you were oh, like, yeah. oh, those yeah. are her boobies. <laughs> those are Amanda Seyfried's <laughs> boobs. And there was just wonderful shots of women who are finally not crunched in their little tiny theater seats. So their skirts were just on Oh, that's a good point. Display. That's why. It was yeah. gorgeous. There was a, I don't even know who it was, somebody in like sort of an apricot gown that shimmered green. The apricot green. gown was the other one that I noticed. Well, yeah. I don't know who that was, but that skirt was magnificent. I have to say this to me was another good was the setting. I actually yeah. liked the setting. I liked the small kind of clubby feel. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was I mean, fun. I don't know that I wanted every year, but it was fine this year. And it yeah. was something different and allowed yeah. that to happen. That's a really good point. And it made, they had to pre-record all the musical numbers, which meant they showed them in the red carpet, which thank you, because I don't want to <laughs> see your weird, awkward I don't want to see it. I don't. The problem is the musical numbers are always like the blandest. Sorry, all those people. Like they're not my favorite. And songs. the performances are yeah. It's just yeah. no. It's so I was happy that they did it that way. I you know I always want to hear Leslie Odom Jr. sing, so I watched him sing his song well, and I, I turned that. the rest I'll, of them off. I will Google it. Yes, I mean <laughs> so. Anyway, and there wasn't because there was no host. We didn't have to listen to the really stupid jokes. Let's insert the uh, Anne Hathaway, James Franco hosting jokes here. <laughs> now, did you miss the, like, sort of montage stuff? No. I know some people did. I didn't either. I was yeah, kind of happy to not that. have to sit through that stuff. Yeah, And uh, we didn't have to have, you know, Rob Lowe with Snow White. There's a throwback for you. Right. Uh- <laughs> Cocaine, Rob Lowe, and Snow White. Um, it- what was that, a year before or a year after he ended up having the... Scandal. <laughs> so it was a bad look either way. <laughs> totally. Um, all right. Should I go to the – I'll take the bad? Sure. Go ahead. Why not? Um, first of all, the uh, Chadwick Boseman loss. Um, and not in a way that is like – I don't know. It's like I, I think that he should have won. Clearly, it would have been a nice way to honor his his legacy. I have not seen the father, so I will not comment on the quality of Anthony Hopkins. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins is fine, but it's also one of those, you know, those roles. Oh, you played Alzheimer's. You're going to get an Oscar, you know, and right. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins doesn't, it wouldn't right. have broken Anthony Hopkins's heart. To me, it was, it was sad more than 
bad. I think what was bad for me was the way they clearly thought Bozeman was going to win and rearranged the. They should have. I mean, awards. come on, Academy of Voters. You had one fucking job. Yeah. You had you had one job. You did it with Heath Ledger. You knew your job. You did it. You gave it to him. Michelle Williams got up. She made a lovely speech. She took the award. Everybody was happy. This was this was Chad Boswick. This was this yeah. was. This was Black Panther. We needed his widow up there. You had one job, yeah. and you guys fucked it up. Yeah. And even Sir Anthony Hopkins would tell you that you fucked it up. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't even there says a lot about what he expected. Right. Um, or that, yeah, that he was yeah. like, this is cool. This isn't my night. This right. isn't about me. Totally. And. <sighs> I mean, the only thing that's sort of interesting about it is like, wow, they maybe really don't know who's going to win this, which is. Right. Uh, so it's like bad on the voters, like you know. It's- and maybe they did know a day, or maybe they went ahead and checked a day or two in advance, but they'd already moved everything around, so they yeah. couldn't do anything about it. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe they actually did just move it around because I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. But maybe Steven Soderbergh's a weird guy. Maybe he just said, "You know what? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's um, do best picture." Third to last. Sure. While we're on that, I think Soderbergh is just a big don't ever come back. Thank you very much. I like him as a director. You can go over there with Anne Hathaway and James Franco. Yeah, I I enjoyed that first shot of, you know, Gina King walking through the, like, you know, that was pretty. I was was driving. I didn't see it. Um, It was very Soderbergh-y and like, yeah, we know that's your visual style, dude. Um, but she looked great and the camera moved well, but I, I was saying like, I felt like it was more, the whole thing was more worried about the framing. There were sometimes people looking to like the Oscar gods, like not into <laughs> the camera. And I was like, okay, you're not making fucking art. This is the Oscars. This is all a show. Um, and my other thing was, I don't just, we were talking about this earlier again. Like they didn't, a part of the fun of the Oscars is when people are speaking about a movie that they loved, other people that are excited for them, whether they're friends or, you know, family or co-stars, like there was somebody that hates them. Yeah. There wasn't enough cutting to, you know, that stuff, which is the fun stuff, except for, I will say Daniel Kaluuya's mom and sister was, that was adorable being mortified at his kind of weird speech. Um, I, just, I don't care. I'll just listen to that man talk for I don't care how long. God, man, that okay. accent talk, and that voice. And, oh. Also, talking about accent cop. <sighs> yeah. Woo. Good American accent. Oh, he, his accent's always clean as Wow. Fuck. It's like yeah. amazing to hear when he speaks in, um, you know, the award shows, like, like, what? That's, yeah. You're not British. You're like British. Oh, yeah. No, no. Totally. Um, there's a med, too, who we'll get to later. What's funny um, with him is um, they talked to him beforehand, uh, Lil Ray Arell did, and asked him about preparing for that, you know, I am a revolutionary speech, which is the best scene in that movie because of his voice specifically. And he said that he did all kinds of different training accent-wise, but also he went to, uh, he did some opera training oh, wow. to prepare for it. And not not just being able to project his voice, but cadence-wise. Right. So I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And that scene is, I, I was glad when they showed that clip because... Uh, the people, you know, the Layla who who I was watching with, they hadn't hadn't seen the movie, and I was like, okay, th- if any clip's going to make you see this movie, it's going to be that one because yeah. that scene is electric. And yeah, like Keith looked a little salty. Also, well, I don't he know. didn't know why he was nominated, so I don't think he was upset. Yeah, <laughs> I've also heard he's just kind of a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Like yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't get a lot of like 
love between them, which they, there doesn't need to be. Yeah. Don't, don't mess with my Lakeith. I know. All right. All right. I know. All right. <laughs> what do you think of the blonde hair? I don't like the blonde hair. I know. I didn't like it either. I don't like the blonde hair. Um, I, I forgive him because he's, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's right up there. I forgive him, but I don't like the blonde hair. I, I want to have a conversation with him about it. In general, I do got to put in the good stuff. I mean, even though there were disappointments, obviously, with Bozeman and you know, uh, Viola Davis, there was a lot of black visibility throughout the thing. And as as a show that's gotten a lot of criticism about that, I did appreciate it, even if it's, you know, doesn't pay off an actual awards or, um, but I did appreciate that back to the bad. Okay. Let's do the bad still. Um, lack of clips, lack of like, like I, if I want to see a best picture or a best actor, like I want to see the a yeah. clip from the performance. I don't want to hear what they thought about their performance. No. I, ju- I just do not. Laura want- Dern in her fucking weird ostrich dress <laughs> that she bought from apparently like a flea market from Bjork's I swan dress. I have to tell you, <laughs> when I saw your text, I couldn't tell if it was like... I couldn't, and I was like, oh my God, I so hope he didn't like this dress. So right now, the fact that you put it in the bads makes me so happy. It was crazy. Because that dress was horrible. It's like, if you're going to go Bjork, go full Bjork. You can't go half Bjork. Yeah, you need that swan neck. (laughs) You don't get an award for half Bjork. No, no. (laughs) Um, And also her being like, I thank you for your performance. I love Laura Dern. She's a national treasure. Well, and she means that. It's weird and... And I believe that she means that from the bottom of her heart because she is a weirdo. But somebody also should have told her, just don't say that because you're not actually among a whole bunch of artists and and, and actors and people aren't going to get it. So just don't say that. I couldn't. I kept wondering how much of it was a problem of not scripting versus and kind of letting because it's Soderbergh, right? And he likes to, I think, let actors improvise yeah and so i think they had given them some guidelines but then also just had them improvise and they encouraged that and some of that was really fucking weird including reese witherspoon (laughs) like just like just don't reese witherspoon needs a script that's all i'm gonna say yeah um what else bad uh the shameless 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 lin-manuel miranda plug for in the heights I'm oh, we can put West Side Story right on there, too, though. Super excited to see that movie. Uh, why did he get to be like, hey, whatever I'm talking about that's vaguely related to the Oscars, and now here's a special preview, and then it kept popping up a million times. I'm still going to see that movie. Of course you are. <laughs> I'm still fun. not going to see West Side Story. I don't care how beautiful the opening okay. friggin' shot was. Not doing it. West Side Story. I have an X. That's my X. Thank God. Um, my next is people. This is a very minor next, and also probably like any gay listeners out there, remove my gay card because you're going to be like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" People being too buff. I mean, this applies to men and women in period pieces where there was no access to like insane gyms and like mild steroid like trainers whatever there's a still from that west side story where the guy looks like fucking like a only fans porn <laughs> god i mean i will watch him on only fans i don't need to see him in west side story no Stop. we don't like ansel elgort Oh, is that who that is? Bad. Okay. That's part of the reason that they put such a long time. I mean, yes, COVID too, but there was a long space and so that you'd forget that he, yeah. I just also don't know why we need a new West Side. We don't. 
It's like Tony Kushner's writing it. Like, what? What? What is he going to write that's yeah. new? Like, we we don't need one. I mean, yeah. I will. Rita Moreno, I love you. You look fucking amazing because you're Rita Moreno. And I'm glad you're getting to play Doc. And that's a neat little throwback. I'm not watching this movie. I'm just not going to watch this movie. I watched the old movie two months ago. And I cried and sang. And we stayed up until two in the morning. And it was wonderful and amazing. I don't need a new one. And I certainly don't need a new one from Spielberg. I'm going to have to watch it because Dave is very excited about it. Well, good. That's nice. um, You can tell us what you thought. Yeah. I don't need Spielberg to... to... He's not... No. Not the one. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I would rather watch that version of it. (laughs) Right? Well, and he loves West Side Story so much. And, you know, I'm here for the non-binary anybody's, which was my part. I still feel my part. Anybody that played anybody's, we're all together. (laughs) I, I got it, but... I just I don't I think it's I think it's purely a Spielberg issue. I I do not understand. It has to just be his ego. Yeah. Why anyone would say sure let Spielberg take West, take West Side Story? Yeah. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. I am not about it. Very strange. Yep. Um, also, my octopus teacher, Superman. What? what? I that movie was fine. I enjoyed it. All of those other movies, what? right? <laughs> like, I just. And then I really loved Crip Camp. That was the one I was rooting for. But um, I, everything, the collective was supposed to be amazing. Um, time was supposed to be amazing. These movies that were actually tackling real things. And yet. Maisie didn't the like Octopus. it either. Maisie is with us on that. Um, <laughs> I, shocking. No, um, I just, even Layla had seen none of them, didn't know anything about my octopus teacher. And they just kind of looked at me and were like, like, like looking to me like it, you are my, my pop culture Oscars guru. Explain to me what just happened. And I was like, what just happened is fucking nonsense. And then you get the like South African like director, producer people who are like, we don't know really like, why did we win? But also like, maybe we have ancestors that are like Nazis. Sorry, I shouldn't make this up. But they're also much. like, we're going to take our Oscar and go now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, it was super weird. Yeah. Um, Tyler Perry getting a crazy big humanitarian award. This is a tricky one. I, I, I get that he's done a lot of great stuff, especially for like black filmmakers and in the Atlanta sort of black sort of film community. His optics and his uh, intent are great. I did not like his kind of middle of the road like cop thing. Yeah, minute, we were we were with him until he said, "Yeah, the the cops down and Layla then gets a little bit stronger." And I was like, "I mean, I guess he has to say that he loves everybody, but did he really have it, to do that one?" And he, he could have just left them off the list, and it wouldn't. Yeah. He didn't have to say, "I hate cops," yeah. but he could have just left them off the list. It, it's like cops are not really a um persecuted entity (laughs) like i'm sorry there's not a could have just yeah left him off the list and it would have been fine tyler that was odd um Questlove, amazing music historian and dj love him i don't know what the fuck he was playing after every i like we were my friend ariel watched the show with me we kept being like what's he gonna play next after this like you know, documentary win for the Nazi Colette, whatever, uh, shake your booty. Like it was very like tone deaf and strange. Well, he, he had said in the pre, maybe you didn't see in the, the, the red carpet, they talked to him. Everything was pre recorded. He didn't. So he just basically was pressing buttons 
so I don't think he knew who was going to win. Yeah. So it was just like he just made choices and recorded them with people. Yeah. And so it just was what it was. It was odd. And it felt like, oh, yeah. I, if, I had, if this had been live and I'd had some choices, I would have done something else. But I didn't. And so this is what I had. So I'm going to show up for Questlove right. and explain that it really wasn't his fault. Very, and he's probably going, oh, my God. Very <laughs> odd. It felt very tone deaf in moments. I was like, yeah, yeah. why are you playing this? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny. They didn't have the orchestra playing people off, which, which I hate. was good and bad. But at the same time, <laughs> I sort of missed the sweep of the orchestral. Right. Like, oh, we know how to, we learned how to play the, like, whatever from whatever right. you know, song. And you're like, oh. I mean, it is I weird I don't want often, them, but. you know, making it so that it's just people reading a list of their agent. And I like the kind of meandering speeches a lot of the time, especially with my new buddy Young. Me and Young were friends, you know. <laughs> I did not care for Brad Pitt's hair. Oh, Brad um, Pitt's hair. Did not care for and, it. And the mustache, either do it or, yeah, yeah you gotta go bigger. But Grandma. I can close my eyes and listen to you talk all day long. So I, I'm with you young on the, you know, put your arm through Brad Pitt. But if it had been a regular year and there had been an orchestra to play her off, we might not have gotten her strange meandering, I'm just luckier than you are, but also very sweet about her whole experience as an, an immigrant and a Korean Actor and She's been doing her thing for years, and you know. I, I I had to work because my kids needed me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she was amazing, and we might not have gotten it's that. It's true. If, That's a really good point. If we'd had the yeah, you know. and it um you know considering this fuck shit terrible year, <laughs> tell us how you really feel. um this was you know I I don't want so to work back, but I appreciate that we had the Oscars, and I appreciate that. They tried something new. It was a swing. <laughs> I needed to not have quinine go through my nose. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want Soderbergh back, mind you. <laughs> he can fuck right the fuck off. But, but I, I, they tried something. They did. Um, all right, Glenn Close. Unde- I'm undecided. I the debut. Like <laughs> I, I kind of had a moment of like, does she know the. You know, to putt, like, I definitely fell for it for a you second. You super fell for it. <laughs> and, but then once I realized, no, probably not, I still enjoyed her performance. That was a nice moment of, like, old school Oscar stupid levity that, for me, I was like, oh, that sort of worked. So, wait, just, a camera looked at the table and there was Daniel <laughs> and Glenn Close. I and did you wonder said, why they were together. This happened organically? <laughs> this is what you thought? This you <laughs> All I thought all night was, okay, where's the bit? Because they had them together the whole night. Yeah. So I knew there was a bit coming. I think her delight in the bit was the thing that that worked for me. She's she's merely trying to finally get an Oscar. That's all she wants. (laughs) She really never won an Oscar. Teeth didn't help it happen. She's never won. Oh, she deserves one. She's a great, she's a legend. No, she doesn't deserve, well, because she's a legend, she deserves one. She's not a good actor. Mm. She has no range. Hard to disagree. She has no range. Hard disagree. Boring as hell. She's going to get her. I got you on Juliana, um, Julianne Moore. I'll get you on Glenn Close. No, it's not happening. I will bring you to my side. <laughs> not happening. I love Glenn Close. <laughs> you um, love uh, Julianne Moore, too, but you agree with me that she's boring. I will get you on Glenn Close. No, you won't. I will. Um, all right. Wait. Okay, it is what? It is uh, April 26, 2021. <laughs> I will make it happen someday, people. Mark my words. Um, there's too much good work already done, so I just don't know how that's going to okay. happen. Um, <laughs> all right. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We finished the series. Um, I had thoughts. 
<laughs> I was furiously texting Fanny. Um, I, she was like, wow, you're really salty about this Marvel show. Um, I, so we're going to go full spoilers. We're going to each talk about our final rating for the series. Um, why don't you go first? <laughs> what I saw was a show that was going to be a buddy cop show about two people that kind of hate each other. And then they slowly become friends. And at the, la- at the last couple of scenes, they're going to help each other out. And one of them's going to throw their arm ac- across the other. And they're going to be like, hey, we don't really like each other, but we do kind of like each other. And then one of them was going to be Captain America. And that was the show I was watching. <laughs> And that's the show that I got. Will I watch more? Yep. Was I disappointed? No, yeah, it's fine. I don't. You know, I, the costuming was a little bit weird. <laughs> Anthony Mackie is a great actor. Sebastian Stan was fine. I really didn't like Anne Emily Van Camp. I still want revenge. This this was the show I was promised, and this was the show I got. I I was fine with it. It's perfectly nice. What's your grade? I, nice, nice, like I just oh, said. Nice. Okay, right there. I, I went to a segue there. Thank you. And and you, Justin, how did did you feel about the show that that you watched? Okay, I. So I gotta say, full confession that in our Wandavision conversation, I was uh, you know shaming, chiding fans that were watching the show in their head, which that show I think they wanted a puzzle box. And that clearly was not a puzzle box kind of show because Marvel doesn't do that. And it, I mean, were, it set itself. I I won't chide them as much because it did set itself up like, ooh, we're a puzzle right, box. Right. They played with people, on right? That. Right. Um, but I was very adamant of like, oh, this is like not what the show's mostly about. And I think for this show, I very much was super early on attracted to things that were kind of different and brave and talking about race and talking about um, sort of socialism and Black Lives Matters and police brutality. And there was so much interesting kind of meat to the bones of the show that I was really excited for what it was going to do. Um, it's funny. I just talked to our friend Amy who just watched the podcast and she was like, and not watch the podcast, watch the show. And she made it She's like, first episode, great. Great action scene, fun, wonderful. Second episode gets a little boring. Uh, I don't know, but Black Captain America from the 50s is cool or, you know, like 40s. Um, But then, oh, my God, that Madripoor episode. And I was like, yeah, you're following the exact same thing. And then she was like, does it it stick the landing? And I was like, (laughs) no. It's like the things that you're interested in are the things I'm interested in. It doesn't stick that landing. Um, but I still, now that you know what it is, will you watch another season? Probably not. Okay. Um, but I do think I'm going to give it a low nice because mostly the one thing I kept saying was it's one goal. Like these shows in general is to make me really care about, you know, these B less characters Mm -hmm. and especially with the Falcon. Like I really, fell in love with the Falcon. I'd said that before. Um, well, and I think you went where you went in your head because WandaVision, while not a puzzle box, was saying something different and was trying different things inside the universe. So you yeah. took that and took that football and ran all the way in the other direction and scored a touchdown for the other team is this, what you did. This yes. was super Marvel boilerplate, like at the end of the day. <laughs> you um, shot your puck right in your own net yeah. is what happened. I, and, you know, I still struggle with, I think, 
there's definitely an argument to be made that at the end of the day, this is like the solution to uh, people of color being victimized by um, governments and cops is yeah. more black cops. Uh, not the answer, but maybe this is not the show to really address that. Like, and maybe that's what I was looking for it to dive into a little more. Like it definitely, the end of it also, man, he looked terrible in that final suit. Um, <laughs> that's really what you're upset about. <laughs> Um, I, I just, I, there, I think there was an opportunity. I mean, I think that final episode was a mess just all over the place. A mess. It was. Just, um, just, but they, there was no way they could have landed it. There was so much set up way too much to do an episode. And then they just oh. went like full action. You know, they introduced Julia Louis-Dreyfus at the, it's just like Emily Van Kent. The power, there was so much stupid <laughs> So much shit. that you can't even finish a word. I don't know. <laughs> And so I'm not like I don't know I, I don't know what it could have done. I thought it was a really bad finale, but I still overall don't think it undid the the good that the show did. I just don't know that I care enough about these characters. Keep watching. Also, they were talking on some podcast I was listening to about oh, it's a setup for Armor Wars, and um, there's some other show. Uh, I don't know what it is. One of these like new Marvel shows, and I was like. No, I think I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, I, WandaVision did fuck me up a little bit. Because I was like, this is a better, this is the thing that I want from Marvel TV, not the yep. endless, like, military jingoistic, like. Yep. yep, yep, yep. It feels very CBS at the end of the day, and I'm not here for that. Okay. Um, Shadow and Bone. Also, it's um, 42621 next year when it drops and Justin watches it. Uh, we're going to play a clip from this show. Absolutely. Okay, moving on, yes. Shadow and Bone. All right, since you were snarky, I'm going to read my description of the Shadow and Bone intro. Okay, I can see it. Netflix adaptation of the well-loved YA series from Lee Bargado. Bargado, I keep saying that wrong, has arrived. It is a uh, about a magical people called Grisha in a world that has been cleaved in two by a giant dark space with some big nasty bats straight out of Godzilla versus That's Kong. That's fair. Uh, it's eight episodes. Fanny's seen them all. I've seen one and a half. Um, so we have decided, well. No, we've decided. Yeah, we're doing we've it. decided we're going to, I liked the Oh, sh- I've also read all the books. Yes, so. and I've read none of them. I've read, we have talked about on this podcast, uh, her other book, The Ninth House, which uh, we both liked a lot. Um, I was intrigued enough. I think mostly it was fun to watch this with you. Um, <laughs> so we are going to continue to watch this and talk about it. I tried to watch the second episode on my own, and I got a little, like, lost and bored. Um, but we're going to keep talking about it. But I wanted to hear you talk about it and what you're excited about. Okay. Everybody go read these books. Um, <laughs> I have been excited about this for 18 to 24 months since it was um, – Announced, I did not realize until up till about three months ago that uh, Bargado was a uh, executive producer. So she's not just, oh, we'll put her name on it because she's a successful writer. She's had her hands in this show, which I would have worried less had I realized that because this is a... This is a very detailed bit of world building. There's ton of information and really fabulous characters and really complex uh, plots that it would have been really, really easy to fuck up. It would have been really easy to say, let's take a show called The Runaways and not have anybody run away for a full fucking season. (laughs) Uh, Or to rush through it or to 
cast big names for no reason. Instead, they really paid attention to their casting to make these characters that if you haven't read the books are going to be played by interesting actors if you have read the books are true to their their roots um and yes this book this show throws you into the world building but i don't know how else they would have done it um you need a primer or a person who's somewhat versed in the world i think to get through the first couple of episodes however Once, even if you have not read the books, you get into the first couple of episodes and you trust the show, it really starts to be incredibly charming. Uh, Kit Young, who plays Jesper, has my heart. This character is basically the artful Dodger who has had my heart since I was a small, small (laughs) child. And the the actor just nails this from start to finish. Um, I, I... could not i have no willpower i could not met them out i need netflix for addicts that says no really here's three episodes you get no more because you're going to watch them all and then you're going to be sad for a year to 18 months um ben barnes was so good i i was so happy to be in this world and to have it not it was just the joy of you didn't fuck this up you understood what you had and maybe you only understood what you had because lee bargado was sitting there going nah, that's not the nah, nah. no you cannot have a, bl- a blonde play a neige no no and just Okay, so I am looking forward to watching this with you where I supply your answers and you ask the questions and we do a funny little bit about it, but also that you really end up liking the show because you're going to. <laughs> that is all I have to say. And what did you think, Justin? I enjoyed watching the first episode with you. It moved along. It was fun. I liked the crazy bat things. I love the idea of a big, you know, chasm in the middle of the world. Um, the fold. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I don't quite get why it's there, or why it's split the country. I hope we'll get into that. You're get- oh, um, that is the main <laughs> one of the main premises of the entire show okay. is the fold and how it came to be. And, awesome. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, you know, it, I get a little like uh, the young, pretty like it. The, it's the same thing I didn't like about the magicians. There's a touch of that like oh, like dangerous, sexy young people. Like it's just like a little. I don't know. You want dangerous, sexy old people? I mean, I want a mix. (laughs) Um, And Madam Hooch shows up. (laughs) I will say the thing it feels, and I'm not even blaming this because I think Avatar, the airbender, um, X-Men, like this thing of like, I control fire. I control. I mean, they're trying something with the darkness, like uh, uh, Children of Blood and Bone did this. This is now becoming a bit of a trope, and I know Lee Bard. Bar- I'm like, uh, you, you, don't you be because she yeah. did it first, right? I mean, not before <laughs> she um, did it. Avatar, no, she didn't X-Men. do it before Avatar, but she certainly <laughs> did it before yes. Children um, of Blood and Bone. It's, it's. I wish people would find new ways to show magic, but maybe this is just you know. Since there are the, like, a lot more Grisha than just yeah than just the the wind and the fire. Right, by the way, right, and right. nobody moves Earth. Just right. <laughs> um, small complaints. I will. St- I've, I've I've watched all iterations of this version of fantasy novels. Um, you know, it's just an interesting thing that I'm noticing comes up again and again. Um, but I, like I said, I really like Ninth House. I eventually got super into the story, and I, you know, I did sort of like the 
the complexity of this. I like getting into the complexity of things once I finally surrender to them. Which yeah. is why I recommend everybody else read Six of Crows and its sequel because it is the more fun, heisty, like kind of clip along stories. And I recommended that Justin start with Shadow and Bone because it's all the world building, lots of characters. It's, you know. And I think for people that are listening to this that start it, um, or who are maybe fans, I guess people that are fans of the books are already watching it, but it's basically these two novel, okay. two series happening right now currently in the books, the shadow and bone sword and sheet uh, siege and ruin of something are one series. It was the first Gre- uh, series set in the Grisha world. The second duology is, uh, six of crows and kingdom something, um, they are set in two completely different timelines. The Six of Crows books take take place at a very different time than the than the Shadow and Bone novels, um, and the show has uh, taken these two stories and put them on the same timeline and changed a lot of the events, but the same basic feel and story of the heist and the same basic feel and story of here's the world and the fo- the story of the fold and the general and all of and and the grisha and the sun summoner and they've taken them and woven them together in the books they are very separate same universe same magical constructs and all of that but different timelines so if you go in, and some people, I guess, are confused and think that they are weaving the two timelines together, and they are not. They are all happening simultaneously, and they have changed the source material. I have to have a lot of conversations with myself that says, keep them separate, do not point out. That's not how it happened in the book. And I've been able to do that, and I understand the adaptations that they have made and that they want to combine both because some people right. really love the Kaz and Inej and Jesper characters, and some people really love the Alina and Mal stuff. And so in order to keep everybody in and not right. make two different shows, they figured out how to make it happen. Which is a good problem to have when you have too yeah. many characters people care about. They did a good job combining them, but I think to some people that are don't understand, especially in the first couple episodes, you might not understand that these events are happening, happening simultaneously. They are not on two different. Yeah. So that's also, that. where, this- where things, where scenes are happening was a little confusing to me. We will talk about this more as the podcast yes. continues because the lands don't really look all that different. From what I can well, tell. one's a giant city and the other's a palace and a rural countryside. countryside. Okay. So yeah. yeah, you're right. They look exactly the same. I need an Iceland and a, you know, whatever, <laughs> like a Spanish, like sand snakes land. Um, all right. Uh, should we do, we saw what you did there. Sure. Um, I watched sound of metal. Finally, um, the Riz Ahmed, uh, starring movie that got a bunch of Oscar nominations and eventually won a couple, I think for, sound design and maybe editing. Um, Darius Martyr is the director of this. He's a first-time director. This movie's fucking great. I really want you to watch it at some point. Riz Ahmed is just amazing, also super hot. Um, And it is about... I didn't know that it was basically about, um, you know, this drummer guy that basically loses his hearing and has to deal with um, sort of integrating into a deaf community, but also he's an addict. So he's integrating into a halfway house that's focusing on um, deaf people with addiction issues. 
And it is That's a lot. Yeah, it is super intense. Riz Ahmed's performance is crazy good. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to my friend Jenny uh, Saunders. Hello, if you're listening, we love you, Jenny. Um, and maybe we'll get you on and talk about this stuff at some point. Uh, she is an interpreter for uh, deaf people in kind of various jobs, <laughs> like everything from government to like Amazon, whatever. Um, sh- I. I was really curious about how this movie sort of ties together deafness, which from that community is not perceived as a handicap. It's very much a point of pride in the deaf community. It's not a handicap. Oh, yeah. And addiction is sort of treated in 12-step programs as a disease. And so this sort of – I'm not sure the movie totally rec- reconciles that. Like thematically, it's like about this guy who basically – becomes deaf sort of suddenly rather than being a, a native, um, right. you know, sign language speaker. Um, and so it's, there's a lot of like stuff that I don't even know how to reconcile in my head. I was like, but it made me think a lot. And I think the movie wants you to think. Right. And it's also amazingly sort of empathetic about sort of, um, you know, just sort of like seeing, sub communities within communities and sort of feeling how that gets recognized and how those people deal with things for a movie called sound of metal. There's not a lot of metal in the movie. I was worried it was going to be like that terrible, um, uh, Elizabeth Moss movie that we sat through, um, where it was like God awful music played forever. The music is a very small part of this, except it is also really not. It's in his blood and his bones. There's a scene in this. I don't want to, this is like one spoiler scene, but it's going to entice people. I think, um, there's a scene where he eventually gets pulled into these uh, these kids that are native sign language uh, sp- signers, speakers, native signers, and um, he's connecting with them, and he's like, oh, like I'm a musician, and there's a kid that he sort of bonds with, and he's sitting, and he's stressed the fuck out, and he's sitting at the bottom of a metal slide, and he's kind of banging just on the slide because he's a drummer, and the kid is like from the top of the slide and he kind of looks up and, and they do a little communication and then he just starts drumming on the slide and the kid puts his head down on the slide and just listens to him drumming and it was the best moment I've seen in a film it's like Aww. the best that, that was the best film moment of 2021 that I've seen um, I really like this movie I would love to hear your thoughts on it it's great um, Infinity Train book 4 I don't even want it to I don't go know. ahead do I'm it sad. I love Infinity Train. This show's great. I've talked about it before. It's an animated show on HBO Max. There are four seasons, um, but the seasons are like an hour and a half long because every episode's like 10 minutes. Um, the first two seasons of this show are absolute brilliant, like just canon, like great animated weirdness, um, kind of queer theory. I love them. Third one was a little less good, and this fourth one I really wanted to like, and I didn't love it. Mm, um, sorry. I don't know how much of it was just um, COVID or, I don't know, it felt rushed. I know they were really struggling to get this fourth season produced. Um, they almost weren't going to do it, and so I'm happy you got to make it. Bad, Infi- Bad Infinity Train is still, like, better than most kids' shows, I think, in the world. Um, I, I always appreciate what they're trying to do, um, but something about this. First, I made Fanny watch a little of the first season. You did. 1-1. One, one, come on. 1-1. One, one. No, 1-1 one, one was quite charming. <laughs> I'll give you 1-1. Um, yeah. It's... Apparently characters named like 1-1, one, one, like, get me. <laughs> There's 1-1 one, one, the giant. In... Right. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot 1-1. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, that was a little bit of a bummer, but I would still take more Infinity Train. Uh, Owen Dennis, you're a genius. I hope you continue this in, like, comic book form. Apparently he has a whole eight seasons planned out. I kind of want to know how the story ends. I think he's got a grand plan, um, so I'd love to see that. Drag Race finale, Team Simone. Sorry, spoilers, everybody. Um, Simone, <laughs> it's been a couple weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, Simone was the best. A week. Simone was the best. She deserved it. Um, mm. I'm still super happy that Got Mick, uh, trans, first trans man on Drag Race, um, got to the final four. Um, that was amazing. Um, it was just a really fun season. I liked all of them. And the finale, they did kind of a car, kind of Biden rally kind of thing where everybody right. was like cheering from their cars. And they didn't have that annoying. You know when Drag Race, when they do the like, write your rap and like sell your single um, they didn't do any of that. It was well, very good. just like the old kind of feeling like of Drag Race. I really liked the season. It was the most fun nice. I've had with a Drag Race season in a while. What do you got? Um, I don't know why I pressed. I don't. I actually don't know if I pressed play on this or if Hulu decided that I was going to watch it next after, you know, not seeing Christopher Maloney and Dylan uh, McDermott kiss. Again, still hasn't happened. Sees, you know, episode four, nobody's kissing. I, I hate it. Um, still bad. There was an intervention. Organized crime, don't watch it. Um, so this anyway. is Songbird? Yeah. Then okay. After I stopped watching these two people not kiss, Hulu decided that it was going to play me this Hulu exclusive movie called Songbird. Have you heard anything about this? No. Probably not, because it has a 0% on Rotten Tomato. No. I know, because I checked. <laughs> this show claims that it's terrifying. Didn't get terrifying. I stuck around for 30 minutes and watched. It's set like in COVID, but COVID 24 months. No, sorry, 36 months out where everybody's been in quarantine for four years. Oh, and so not worth, yeah. Yeah, and the immune people, they're the delivery people, but they're also like, je- people are jealous of them because they're immune. And like Demi Moore is in this, and Bradley Whitfield, and KJ Appa, you know, from Riverdale, and Craig Robinson, Alexandra Daddio, she plays a stripper. This is terrible. This is almost worth, wa- worth watching 15 minutes of because. I still don't know what I watched. It is so bad, and Hulu's pushing it so hard. Bad funny? Like, can you laugh at it? Kind of. But is it also kind of depressing? No, it's not even depressing. It's just, just, what is happening, and why is it happening, and who thought this was a good idea, and when does it get scary, and which one of them is getting off first? Yes, that was a Schoolhouse Rock reference. (laughs) Anyway, I also watched Mayor of Easttown on HBO with uh, Kate Winslet. This is, you know, a moody Icelandic mystery, only it's set in the Midwest. And it's not the mayor, it's Mayor. It's Mayor. Mayor of Easttown. That's her name. Her name is is Mayor. Is this a pun? Like, is it a pun on Mayor? No, her name is Mayor. All right. <laughs> That's just her name. <laughs> but it sort of nope. keeps making me think of mayor. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Just her name. <laughs> the woman's name is Mayor. Get over it. <laughs> and this is, you're going to love this show. You're going to eat this show up. I like this show. I will continue Slow to watch it. character yeah. shit with some yeah. murder. Probably. Guy Pierce is in it. He's looking shaggy. There's nice. sex. You know. Nice. Yeah. It's, I'm in. Yeah. 
Uh, we'll talk about it more when you've watched it. Okay. We won't go. And it's only dropped one, and there's a mystery and a whodunit and all that. It's good. It's You're going to really like it. Okay. Um, I also watched, and I know that you watched two on Hulu, The yep. True Crime, The Fucking Duplass Brothers. I forgot about it. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. They, they made this show called Sasquatch, and I had to hear about the moon cycles of Big Feet. And I <laughs> want those 15 seconds back. Did you finish it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I Okay. Yeah, I actually forgot. I can't believe I didn't put this in my notes because I actually had a lot of thoughts about this. I really liked the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a great, weird, like, dark California, sort of the hippie era, curdling, like... Full of all kinds of real weird characters. Yeah, and I sort of... That sort of mystique of that area, although they, they lay it on a little thick. Um, but it it was fun to sort of... Be like, oh, this is not about the Bigfoot thing really at all. And it's right. about this stuff. But I will say, are we, did you have more to say about it? Sorry. Uh, no. Okay. I, I'm scarred by the moon cycle of the Big <laughs> Feet. That's it. That's it. really upset me. It did not. It's like basically in the first, sorry, spoilers for Sasquatch. It, they set it up in the beginning of like, it's either A or B. And, oh, you're, like, or. and you're like, it's B. Like, and well, then duh. at the end, you're like, it's B. Well, because it can't be A because <laughs> yeah. A doesn't right, exist. Right, And it's very, um, I appreciated that it was three hours instead of six hours. Thank God. But there's n- still even not enough in this story to really, like, justify three hours. Also, this jerk, this gonzo journalist who I don't think most people have ever heard Good of. Good Lord. Is a bit of an annoying character and just kind of like. I'm sorry people were mean to you as a kid or whatever happened yeah. to you, but I don't need to watch you for four and a half hours. And also, like, why are you like, why are you on the pot farm? It's like very, all of it is kind of just like, yeah. and I heard an interview that they did on uh, Slash Film Daily with the director, and this made me actually retroactively kind of hate the movie. He basically was like reading about Bigfoot and was like, I'd like to make a thing about Bigfoot, like a documentary, but it's got to have a murder mystery and a true crime element. And so he went to that reporter and said, hey, I'm trying to make a make Bigfoot story with a crime thing. And the guy was like, well, what do you know? I have one because I was, I was like, this is all bullshit. I yeah. Think. Like, yeah, this um, is manufactured. Yeah. I, again, I'm going to go back to fucking Duplass Brothers. Yeah. Their shit's watchable. I don't yeah. like those guys. Very well made. Yeah, yeah. I don't like those guys. Yeah. All right, should we wrap this up? We should. Next week, we are going to be back with um, the fourth season of The Handmaid's Tale. So everybody get depressed and start killing some men. And more Shadow and Bone. Yeah, and more Shadow and Bone and Justin's Dumb Questions, which I am excited for because not his dumb questions, <laughs> but his, what the, what the fuck is, what? I'm, I'm going to need maps. <laughs> yeah, um, there right. are maps. You can talk to us uh, at Facebook, at the next podcast, uh, MotionNix at Gmail. At the next podcast on Twitter, I'm at Justin Hartog on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V. Darling on Twitter. Talk to you next time. Bye.